We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. What's love got to do with it? Is it just a second-hand emotion, or is there a different definition for love that we need to recover in our culture today, if we are going to recover our sanity? On today's show, the definition of love and the definition of the human being. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. I said it yesterday, and I think it bears repeating again today. I'm very grateful to be back home. I'm very grateful to be here in studio live again, sharing the daily commentary of The Rebellion with you. As you know, I took a break. I went on vacation last week. And our annual tradition is to spend the first week of July out at a church camp in upstate New York. It's a camp that my wife grew up in, and it's a camp that her mom, my mother-in-law, actually grew up in. And in fact, the little cottage that my wife's family owns in this church camp on the shores of Lake Ontario is longstanding. And my sons, my wife and my sons, Uh, They're actually the fifth generation within our family to be raised and to be part of this particular camp experience. It's a great place to be. It's a great place to be. So the R&R, the relaxation, the refreshment, the research, the reading that I did while I was out there was wonderful. I was blessed, but it's good to be back in studio sharing the daily commentary with you. And I want to thank all of you for being patient with me and for hopefully enjoying some of the back issues, what we called the best of the rebellion that we aired last week. Hopefully it was new to some of you who have joined in the commentary and the discussion on a daily basis. You come a little bit later to the party, and I hope that some of that best of the rebellion was new for you. And even for those of you who have been with us since the beginning, hopefully that refresher on some of those best of the rebellion episodes was fun and helpful and maybe actually helped you revisit some ideas that matter in your daily debate and daily exchange with the people around you. Before we get into today's show, I'd be remiss not to remind all of you that if you would like to subscribe to the rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. That's Patreon dot com backslash d-r-e-v-e-r-e-t-t-p-i-p-e-r please continue to do that please consider doing that if you haven't already Uh, that's the way we keep the lights on that's the way we continue to do this takes a little bit of work to come up with something that i hope is interesting to you on a daily basis so if you would like to support that effort support that labor by subscribing to The Rebellion. You can do so by going to patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. And also remember my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. That's my newest book. It's the sequel 
to my first one, which was not a daycare, the devastating consequences of abandoning truth. You can buy both or you can buy one or the other on Amazon.com or any other online bookstore. So again, consider subscribing to The Rebellion at patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R and go buy my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. Let's take an early break, acknowledge our corporate sponsors, and when I get back, I want to talk about the definition of two things. The definition of the human being and the definition of love. And I'm going to do this by sharing an actual situation that took place at one of these church camps that I've been at recently. An actual situation, an actual quote from a person who was at this camp that sets the context for answering the question, what's love got to do with it? What is love and what is the human being? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. Okay. Uh, When I was a college president, I had to go to a ton of these events, these district camps and church camps, district meetings. These were part and parcel of my annual life. And there's a scenario... um, that I want to share with you that took place a couple of years ago and then one that took place most recently, or more recently, I should say. Uh, I was speaking uh, out in the West. I'm going to try to be circumspect here because I don't want to throw any particular person or any particular denomination or camp under the bus here. So I'm not going to share the location, the exact locations of these two scenarios with you, just because I don't want somebody listening to think, oh my land, you came too close to outing our event or outing a specific individual, because that's not my point, and it's unnecessary. Sometimes I do speak directly to an individual or a location if I think it's necessary, because they need to be called to account, but in this case, I can make my point without doing that. So when you can, I think you should. Therefore, you're running less of a risk of offending somebody and basically distracting from the truths that you're trying to share. In other words, stay away from the emotional attacks if you can. All right. Uh, I was speaking out west. When I say out west, I mean the west, the cowboy west, if you will, at a district event. And after I was done giving my university update, my five-minute stump speech on the university that I was serving as president of at the time, there was a break. In other words, the conference uh, had a break, a break session. So I was standing out in the foyer of this particular large church, and I was mixing and mingling with a lot of different people. Many of them were alumni of my institution. And one of my young alumnus, alumni came to me and uh, said, Hey, I understand what you were saying about Oakwoo, about Oklahoma Wesleyan University, and I appreciate your stance for biblical truth. And I also want to applaud you for standing in the way of all these cultural trends, this lunacy, uh, the rainbow cabal, the, all the various different compromises uh, that are taking place within culture and within the church. Frankly, this was probably around the time of the Obergefell Supreme Court decision where gay marriage, quote unquote, was made the law of the land. So 
I had been taking a stand against that. I had been saying that it's none of the state's business to get into the actual sacraments of the church and to start telling the church how it must celebrate and orchestrate its sacraments. Now, if you're Protestant, you're saying, well, marriage isn't a sacrament within the Protestant tradition. Well, for the first 1,400 years of church history, it was a sacrament. So maybe we ought to attend to that fact. And within the Catholic tradition, it still is sacramental. Within the Orthodox tradition, it still is sacramental. So those of us who are Protestants, myself included, ought to take a spoonful of humility and look back and maybe acknowledge the fact that we should have never abandoned the sacramental nature of marriage in the first place. If we would have held on to that reality, maybe we wouldn't be suffering the government intrusion that is so sad in our daily lives right now. Maybe a different show for a different time. So anyway, within that context, I gave my university update. I had a young man approach me in the foyer afterwards. He said, I get what you're saying, and I appreciate your tenacity in defending the biblical history, traditions, and reality of your university, our university. But I just have a question. How do we love people? How do we reconcile this issue of love is love and people have the right to love whomever they want to love? Isn't that really what's taking place right now? Whether we agree with their sexual expression or not, people have the right to love who they want to love, right? Sounds like a good question, doesn't it? Surely, it's none of your business who other people choose to love, is it? It's none of the church's business. In fact, the church calls upon people to love one another. Well, this begs the question, doesn't it? It begs the question of what's the definition of love? Well, to circle back on that story, that anecdote I just shared with you, I looked at the young man and I said, are love and sex synonymous? That's all I said. I asked him a question. Remember Jesus's style of apologetics? Ask rhetorical questions, then be quiet and let the worldview of those that are questioning you bear the weight of its own assumptions. So the question here is, don't people have the right to love who they want to love? Well, I think the rhetorical response is this. Are love and sex synonymous? Are they the same thing or are they different? Well, after asking that question, and just kind of letting it hang there in the air so my, my friend could experience the weight, and there is serious weight in that question, because we know that they're not the same. In fact, we know that we love a lot of people that we don't have sex with, don't we? Or at least I sure hope we do. I mean, we love tons of people in our family and outside of our family that we don't have sex with and we don't even desire to have sex with. It never even crosses our mind. But we have a deep, abiding love for them. A parent's love for a child, for example. Your love for your parents or your grandparents or your aunts or your uncles. 
a love of a brother toward a sister or a brother toward a brother, brotherly love. There are various types of love in the scripture. We have agape, we have phileo, we have eros, we have various different Greek words used for love in the Bible, and they all mean something different. And the only one of those that implies or even infers sexual involvement is eros. We get the word erotic from eros. Phileo is friendship. Agape is the supreme love. It's committed love. Some people will say it's unconditional love. That's not true. Because even God's love for us is somewhat conditional. He demands our repentance. He demands our confession. In fact, we're even told in Romans that the reason for God's love, the reason for God's love is to lead us to repentance. That's a fact. The Apostle Paul tells us that. Yes, it's true that in 1 John, the Apostle John tells us that God is love, that the very definition of love is God. And the very definition of God is love. Yes, that's true, but you have to define what love is. And today we've dumbed down the definition of love to be nothing but sexual involvement. And if you want to be sexually involved with somebody, or if you are sexually involved with somebody, then somehow that is love. No, it's not. No, it's not. Love is bigger, more comprehensive, more involved, and more pure than that. Again, Agape love is commitment, unremitting commitment. You're committed to something, and you won't let it go. That's agape love. Phileo is friendship. Philadelphia is phileo, delphia, brotherly love. Again, this does not imply any sexuality, sexual involvement. In fact, it's antithetical to that. Phileo is friendship, agape is committed, and eros is erotic. We have to define our terms. And when this young man approached me and said, well, what about love? Don't people have the right to love who they want to love? Well, the answer is absolutely. In fact, they have the responsibility to love. But are love and sex synonymous? The answer is no, because... We all love a lot of people that we don't have sex with. And God help us if that changes. And unfortunately, because we're confusing the definition of love, it could. It could change. Thus my story yesterday with regard to demisexuality, where Mario Como's, not Mario Como, Andrew, Andrew, excuse me. I'm off a generation there. Andrew Cuomo's, the governor of New York's daughter, comes out and says she's a demisexual, which means that her sexuality is tied to affection, tied to emotional attachment, and implying, therefore, that anyone she's emotionally attracted to or she has affection for is now a sexual partner and that she's not going to be involved sexually unless she has that attraction, that emotional bond. Well, that's a dangerous place to go unless you explain and define what that means. And unfortunately, what she means by that is not the bond of marital commitment. 
not the bond of monogamy within marriage, heterosexual marriage. No, she means that it's a fluid connection and affection and that her sexuality will be expressed within that fluidity and it will only be restrained and defined, if you will, within the boundaries of affection. Well, affection for who? One person? Two persons? Three persons? Is this affection for family members or non-family members? Is this affection for opposite sex, same sex, all of the above, all at the same time? Well, demisexuality would say, yeah, all of that's okay and all of that's cool and fine and moral and right and good as long as there's that emotional bond. Not a good place to go. And my friend Joe, who challenged me on this and suggests that demisexuality is really a good thing and it's synonymous with biblical love, the love of Jacob for Rachel or the love that the apostles had for Jesus. I mean, my land, Joe, what the heck are you thinking? That is not at all what Scripture says, and it's not even logical. Ah, I get so frustrating when people don't bother to even think. All right, so here's another scenario I had at one of these camps, one of these church events. A person came out, I guess that's the right way to say it, Unfortunately, even those words came out. Two words mean something today that they didn't necessarily mean yesterday. Uh, When somebody says they've come out, it almost always seems to imply some sort of sexual expression. Again, I said yesterday, for those of you who criticize me for being fixated on sexual issues of the day, I'm not the one bringing this stuff up all the time. So I can stick my head in the sand and act like an ostrich and pretend that it's all just going to blow over. Or I can respond to it as a thoughtful human being and say, wait a second, I've got some questions to ask here. Well, I choose to do the second. But again, I will not accept this critique that somehow it's my fixation. No, it is not my fixation. If you don't want to talk about it all the time, then stop bringing it up all the time, and I won't. But my land, when you've got stuff like the gay men's chorus, the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus, posting a song on YouTube during the 4th of July weekend that says, we are going to convert your children. That is a direct quote. That is the refrain within the song. We are going to convert your, your children. One more time, we are going to convert your children. Do you think maybe we ought to be responding to this stuff rather than sticking our head in the sand and pretending it's not there? Ugh. We're obligated to protect and defend our children, not pretend that these attacks on their character, on their minds, and on their very souls are somehow just going to go away. All right, so a scenario that I was confronted with recently at one of these church camps is as follows. A person came out and posted this. I'm going to read the quote. It should come as no surprise. All my friends know that... I'm going to change the name here. Sue and I are together, but few accept or affirm it. Please unfriend me if you cannot love me. If I am in love with Sue, you don't know her. You don't know us. You say you know Jesus. He is love and he loves. Follow his example and don't judge me. Love me if you can. I understand if you can't or won't. I don't need a sermon or a Bible Bible verse to back up your opinion. Did you love me before this post? Then love me still. Without conditions, call me foolish, call me a sinner, but then please 
don't call me a friend, close quote. So that's something that was posted at one of these camps recently. And it was posted by somebody who actually was taking a leadership role, an upfront role, I should say, in a social event at that camp. Well, I had issues with this. I didn't think that I could just remain silent and quiet. This statement is loaded with so much that's illogical, unfounded, unbiblical, and frankly just stupid. I'm going to read it to you again, and then I'm going to give you a quick response. Because this gets to the issue of love, and it gets to the issue of the definition of who we are as human beings. Here's the quote again. It should come as no surprise. All my friends know that Sue and I are together, but few accept or affirm it. Please unfriend me if you cannot love me if I am in love with Sue. You don't know her and you don't know us. You say you know Jesus. He is love and he loves. Follow his example, but don't judge me. Love me if you can. I understand if you can or won't. I don't need a sermon or a Bible verse to back up your opinion. Did you love me before this post? Then love me still, without conditions. Call me foolish, call me a sinner, but then please don't call me a friend, close quote. Well, here's my problem with this. First of all, this is at a church camp. And this church camp has a defined mission, policies and bylaws. And those policies and bylaws include living within and affirming, you want to use the word affirmation, living within and affirming, a biblical ethic. If you don't want to do that, then you, by your decisions, are taking yourself outside the boundaries of that community. This woman has done that. She's done that by virtue of this post. She's taking a public position against the policies of this camp and the practices of this camp concerning Christian behavior and morality. Pure and simple. We didn't force her to do that. She's choosing to do this and make it public. Again, she's the one who opened up the bedroom door. She's the one who's forcing all of us to stand there, acknowledge what she now does, and applaud and affirm. She's also besmirching Scripture as the final authority over this Christian community. She's saying, I don't want your Bible verse or your preaching. So apparently Scripture isn't important any longer as a measuring rod of this thing that needs to be measured, and that is human behavior, personal morality. And she's also in rebellion against the body of Christ and against Christ's word. She's in rebellion against the church, this organization that runs this camp. She's saying, I don't care what you say. She's also in rebellion against Christ's word, the Bible. So these are some of the things that I have issue with here in terms of this post. And she's also got a role where she's up in front of people. And I think by allowing her to continue in this role, you're implicitly suggesting to all your kids, your grandkids, all of your nieces and all of your nephews and all of your guests that you're bringing to this camp for the week that that's okay. What this woman stands for is okay. Well, I have issues with all of this. And here's why. I want you to consider not only the policies of this particular place, this camp, which are clear and solid and biblical, But 2,000 years of church teaching as well as biblical practice. Consider this. Moses, Paul, Peter, Jude, and yes, even Jesus, see Revelation 22, 15. All, all of them consistently cite the sin of homosexuality as being antithetical to the people of God and more specifically to the body of Christ. That's just a fact. 
The moral law concerning the issue of sexuality is consistent throughout all of Scripture. It does not change. It doesn't change, people. Remember I once told you that I had to respond to a person who challenged me on this by saying, can you show me anything in the Bible that refers to homosexuality in a positive way? Is there anything in there from Genesis to Revelation that says anything good, positive, affirming about homosexuality? Show it to me. And the response is this, it's not there. It's not there. You can't find it. There's nothing positive in all of the Bible about this. So if you want to pretend to be a Christian, in any shape or form, you have to go back to the Bible as your foundation, your measuring rod, and it never says anything good about this. You might want to attend to that fact, huh? So homosexuality is always included under the broader category of pornea, the Greek word from which we get pornography. Homosexuality homosexuality is always assumed to be in that basket of porn, okay? And this porn is universally condemned from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. And it cannot be, this fact cannot be reasonably refuted by anyone or any group of Bible-believing Christians who pretend to affirm the inerrant authority of Scripture over our lives. So we've got to admit that, people. We've got to admit that the Bible is clear on these things. Now, love. Yes, God is love. Jesus is love. This, hey, by the way, I've got to do this quickly. This judge not lest he be judged crap. Yes, Jesus says that, but I've told you before. In the next sentence, the next paragraph, he says, judge them by their fruit. By their fruit, you shall know them. So he's not telling you not to judge. He's telling you that when you do the same measuring rod that you use to judge others will be used to judge you. So be careful how you do it. Be careful how you do it. He's not saying not to do it. He's just telling you to be consistent and to be a man and woman of integrity when you do because the standard that you use will be used on you. Go read the passage in Matthew 7 if you don't believe what I just said. Now, in 1 Corinthians, we are told that love is patient, love is kind. In 1 John 4, 8, we are told that God is love. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. But here's the point. The purpose of God's love, the purpose of God's kindness, love is patient, love is kind, is instructive. Paul says in Romans 2, 4, that the patience and kindness of the Lord are meant to lead us to what? Repentance. Repentance. Confession. we have to realize that love has to be properly defined. You have to define love properly. Otherwise, you're going to use an upside-down definition, a backwards definition, the reverse, the opposite of what it really means to justify bad behavior and to actually end up compromising the very definition of who you are as people. I'll get into that more tomorrow in terms of the compromise of the human being. Remember this, in times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.